With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Top Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Huddersfield game this coming Friday evening at Anfield. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show, and um, Jay's going to cover the Huddersfield um, point of view as well with myself as um, Ollie Fisher, the guy who, who represented Huddersfield last time, has been uh, unable to join us this evening. So... Thanks very much again for uh, your time, Jay. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, you know, nice little Easter break, wasn't it? Good to go back top of the table and looking forward to the, the games to come now and start off, doesn't it, against Huddersfield on Friday? Yeah, straight into the um into the pre uh, sorry, the, the review of the, the Cardiff game. We went down to, to South Wales on Sunday and come away with with a 2-0 victory, but um, wasn't the, the easiest of the game, shall we say. Yeah, first half, um, Alisson had to, to come up with a good save, although we did create a couple of uh, clear-cut chances through Firmino and, and Salah. Um, second half, we seemed to get a bit more of a, a grip on the game, didn't we? We, we played the ball a lot quicker and um, we got the the goal and, and then obviously the penalty from 
James Milner, but great finish from Jeannie Wijnaldum as well from the from the corner kick. So just give us a, a little bit of your your thoughts on the game against Cardiff, please, Jay. Yeah, I did say, didn't I? I thought it could have been a potential banana skin and you know, when we went in a half time, nil nil, you were sort of like I think we were always quite confident that we'd get the three points because, you know, when you think about it, Liverpool had opened up Cardiff a little bit and you know, Firmino should have scored. It was a terrible miss, really. And I did tweet about it at the time. Said, hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. And, you know, it was looking potential, wasn't it? Certainly when it went to half time, it was nil nil. And, you know, Shalal had another chance, didn't he, as well, where it was pretty good save by the goalkeeper, really. Maybe could have done a little bit better, but, you know, there was opportunities there and Mane had a chance as well. And it was a little bit infuriating, wasn't it? The first half. And it was a really hot, hot summer's day, really, wasn't it? And, a few people did say, you know, the, the intensity levels of Cardiff, there was no way they could have kept it up. You know, they were trying to press us, weren't they? Which is what Liverpool are notorious for ourselves. And they had to work really hard, Cardiff. You know, it's, with it being a hot day, they were probably always going to tire. A few people did say that at half time. And, you know, we didn't have to wait too long in the second half, did we really? It was a well worked goal from, you know, a corner came into the box and, Gini Wijnaldum was left free and he just smashed it home. Fantastic strike. And again, you know, a little bit like the, the Chelsea game in, in the sense that it was relief really as well as, you know, the celebrations for the goal. Because, you know, it, when it gets, it's like anything, isn't it? Liverpool have to get three points in every single game of football now that they play in in the Premier League game. So, you know, it's a case of you'd rather get the earlier, the, the better really, isn't it? To score, get your noses in front. But, you know, ultimately we, we had to wait, didn't we, until the second, second half, pretty much like the Chelsea game, where we, we, it was like a mini blitz against Chelsea. We got two goals in three or four minutes and, you know, it was vitally important to get this one against Cardiff in the manner that we did. And, you know, it was, it was sort of like cruise control after that, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, okay, Cardiff did have one opportunity where Allison sort of like flapped at a, at a corner that came in and the replay suggested that he actually did get a touch on it though and it put the centre half Morrison off and, Sort of like hit his back really, didn't it? And went out to play and you know, that was their best opportunity really. But you know, I thought Liverpool were, it was a matter of the time before we got the second one and ended up being from a penalty. I mean, it was a mistake, wasn't it? By Morrison, the centre half and great play by Mo Salah, really great endeavour really to chase it down and got into the box and it was absolute 100% stonewall penalty. I mean, you can't manhandle someone in the box in that manner in the way he did and his arms were all over him really and pretty much dragged them to the ground and I, I thought Gary Neville's commentary on it was absolutely embarrassing really I mean we all know there's no love lost between Liverpool and Manchester United and obviously he's a Manchester United legend and he's made no secret over the years how much he despises Liverpool and the feelings mutual but you know as a pundit you've got to be impartial and I think you know he has he, he is a good pundit don't get me wrong he certainly knows the game and he, he speaks really well and he's grown on a lot of fans because you know there was a love hate relationship there with him everyone loved to hate Gary Neville because he was one of the main instigators wasn't he of you know he said a few things disrespectful to Liverpool and Scousers in general in the past and we had that famous incident didn't we where we we just won the European Cup and we went to Old Trafford the very next season and Real Ferdinand scored an injury time winner and. You know, we came over to the Travel Liverpool fans and sort of like, you know, kissed the, kissed the United badge and was giving it large, wasn't he, in front of us? So, you know, he, he certainly, there's, there's no love lost there. And, 
you know, I just think at times it is the, the biased nature of his commentary. It's it's embarrassing, really. I mean, how anyone could say that that wasn't a, wasn't a penalty or it was it was cheap, it was harsh, beyond belief, really. I mean, you get Neil Warnock; he's going to be disappointed because he's Cardiff manager, and you know, even he admitted it himself. So he sort of like contradicted himself because he said. Yeah, you, you give the referee the choice to, to make, you know, a decision to make because he, his, his arms were all over him. And then basically straight away then says it's a 9.9 dive, which, you know, it's very contradictory really to what he, what he's saying because he's sort of like admitting that it's a penalty. But, you know, like I say, we all know what Neil Warnock's about and it was great to get the victory because, you know, not only did we need the three points, but it's also good the fact that, you know, we all know about Warnock. He's, he's a horrible individual, nasty piece of work, and you know it's it's probably likely now that Cardiff are going to go down and going to be relegated. So, you know, that was quite pleasing as well. But there was also a little bit of um, a disagreement over the penalty taker as well, wasn't he? Um, Mo Salah won the penalty, and obviously he's going for the golden boot, isn't he? With Aguero and Aubameyang, and let's not forget Sadio Mane's only one goal behind him as well, but. You know, he seemed to want the penalty, didn't he? But James Milner had came off the bench and, you know, he's the penalty taker. If James Milner's on the pitch, you know, it's team rules are, the team orders are, that the main man is, if he's on the pitch, which is James Milner, then he takes the penalty. It's simple as that. And, you know, I think it's embarrassing, really, some of the stuff that's being said on social media about, you know, it's a disgrace. Why did he take it off Salah? Well, the reason why he took it off Salah is because, as I've just said, he's the number one penalty taker. The game was still marginally in the balance because we were only 1-0 up. I mean, imagine Mo Salah would have took that penalty and missed it and then, you know, Cardiff go down the other end and get a late equaliser. You know, it could have happened. So, you know, quite perfect. You know, the professionalism took over and, you know, Milner used his authority. He got the ball off Salah and slotted home. Fantastic penalty and, you know, two nil, three points back to the top of the table and, you know, fantastic for Liverpool. And now we move forwards. You know, we've got this game on Friday, but, you know, before we play on Friday, there's a small matter of the Manchester derby. So, you know, it's, all eyes are going to be on that on Wednesday. And, you know, let's see what happens. You know, as we do this podcast now, this, that game hasn't been played, but, you know, it's going to be a massive game on Wednesday. Yeah. And, and just looking forward to, to that game. At Old Trafford on, on Wednesday night, Jay, obviously all eyes from the, the Liverpool side of uh, Merseyside are going to be watching that, hoping that Manchester United can can do us a favour and, and take a point, maybe three, off Manchester City. Um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously Manchester United fans are, are divided as to whether they want their own, own side to win. Obviously if they win or draw, it gives Liverpool the edge in the title race. Um also, they they're fighting for top four, um, and they need they need the win to keep on challenging for that for them positions to to enable them to be in the Champions League next season. With the um, the rebound effect of that, possible signings in the summer, are you going to attract players who who are not playing Champions League football? Who are going to be looking to to play in in the Europa League? Can is that something that a player is going to be um, looking at? A potential sign for Manchester United. So there's a lot of things to to put into the pot tomorrow night, isn't there? Um, Oli Sogshar has been on the on Sky Sports today, saying it's the perfect chance for Manchester United to to redeem themselves after a, a very very poor performance against Everton. Um, Pogba's another one who's been out there saying similar things. So 
United they need to bounce back not just for not just for the for the club's sake, just but for everyone, for their fans, for the players. There's a lot riding on it for, for both sides next uh, tomorrow evening. So just give us your thoughts on how you see things going tomorrow night, Jay. Well, look, you know, it's we've had this conversation having me time and time again and people are saying about it's a derby game, it's a great leveller, look what Everton's done against Liverpool who recently were you know, Liverpool are miles better than Everton, but Everton ends up getting a draw in the Merseyside Derby at Goodison and you know, the intensity levels they were right up for the game and you know, they took you know, we dropped two points against them and that they're the last points ironically that Liverpool have dropped in this title running and you know, it's frustrating really, but I think there's a big difference between, you know, Liverpool and Everton and Manchester United against Manchester City pure and simply because what you've got to think about is, of course, Manchester United fans, players, the club, they don't want Man City to win the league, but what's the alternative? Liverpool winning the league and let's get one thing straight here Manchester United hate Liverpool more than they hate Manchester City it's as simple as that and you know as well as I do majority of that fan base would not be able to handle it if Liverpool won the league and it's quite embarrassing really that they don't mind their own team losing a game against their nearest rivals you know the City rivals because they know that it would you know obviously if they do do something where they get a point or they get a victory then it hands the title to Liverpool it doesn't quite hand the title to Liverpool Pool, but it certainly gives Liverpool the incentive and also puts it back into our own hands. So that's not something that they really want. But you've got to look at it and think from a club's point of view, from a financial point of view, from a professionalism point of view of the players, after losing 4 0 against Everton, now let's make no mistake, Everton are a pretty average side. There's seventh, eighth, maybe ninth best team in the Premier League. They're okay, don't get me wrong, they're not bad at Goodison, they're quite good at home to be fair, and they've beaten Arsenal, they've beat Chelsea and Liverpool only managed the draw there. But what I'm saying is to lose 4-0 in the manner that they did to Everton, it's absolutely humiliating, quite embarrassing really for the you know, the amount of money that was spent on assembling that Manchester United squad to lose 4-0 to Everton, who, yeah, admittedly have spent a lot of money as well, but it's it's unheard of that type of scoreline, isn't it? So no matter what, for their own professionalism and for their own pride, there's got to be a reaction from Manchester United's players on Wednesday night in the Manchester derby. And yes, Oscar's come out and said, you know, the perfect game now is to, to try and rectify that. It is a game, you know, in front of the home fans against Manchester City in a derby game. It's as simple as that. They've got to turn up. Now, whether or not they're good enough, though, to do anything against Man City is a different story and a different matter. I mean, I, I must admit, I do have my doubts. I mean, this is, as I've said it time and time again on these podcasts, Manchester United, this is a very, very poor Manchester United. It's quite possibly the worst Man United team in living memory for me, certainly back to the 80s when I was a young child. You know, the, the horrific, the horrendous, you know, the work ethics just non-existent. They've got a couple of good players, yeah, but you know, the amount of money that's been spent on that group of players, the amount of wages that some of them get paid, and that a lot of them are prima donnas, show ponies, you know, I've said it time and time again against you know, Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba, Penn, I call him. He's a stat padder. I think he scored 10, 11 goals this season. About eight of them have been penalties. He, the man is just totally and utterly overrated. And when he, after time, he can't even be asked. He strolls around that football pitch like he owns it. And, and, and most of the time he gives the ball away, gets dispossessed. He's so inconsistent. It's unbelievable. And yeah, he's probably going to move on in the summer. 
and he's a lucky boy because he's probably going to double his wages. He's probably going to go for a bigger transfer fee. And and I don't know how because he's had three years at Manchester United and stunk the gaff out, scored a few penalties, and that's it. He, he's a dreadful player in my opinion, but you know he has got a certain amount of ability because you don't play for you know France and you know in a World Cup final if you haven't got something about you. It's just whether or not he can be bothered and. You know, I personally, he's not my type of player. I think he's totally overrated. He's a show pony, as I've already said. But, you know, on, a, on, on his day, he can produce little moments of mag- magic and brilliance. And, you know, we've seen in the Manchester derby last season when it was 2-0 at half time to City. And in the second half, he scored two goals from open play this time, by the way. It wasn't, um, you know, penalties, like, as I say, I call him Pogba pen. Because that's what he, for me, that's all he is. He's a pen taker. But, you know, if he turns up and he wants to, he wants to perform and he wants to, you know, try and make a statement, then fine. You know, hopefully that, that he, he will perform to a level that he potentially has got. Um, you know, David Ahea has made quite a few mistakes as well, hasn't he? Recently, certainly this season. You know, hopefully he has one of them games where he, he's, he has an absolute worldy where, you know, I think there was a game earlier on in the season, wasn't he, where Tottenham, they, beat, they went to Wembley, beat Tottenham 1-0. Tottenham literally had about 10 shots in the second half. And every single one of them, De Gea seemed to just keep out. He, he had, it was an unbelievable performance by him. I mean, yeah, OK, fair enough. You might say some of them were hit straight at him, but, you know, his, his positional sense was spot on in that game, if I remember rightly. And, you know, maybe he'll just have one of them type of games. Who knows? Um, you know, other than that, they have got goals in the team. I mean, everyone raves about Rashford. You know, he had a fairly decent World Cup, didn't he, for England? And he's had a half decent season for United. He's had a little spell where I think he had a couple of months where he was very good. We all know he's got a bright future and he can score a goal or two. He's got good pace as well about him. So he'll commit defenders, certainly on the counter attack, because you would expect City to have a lot of the ball. So, you know, he could be a threat. And then, of course, you've got the big lump having your up front, Lukaku, who, you know, we all know he's a, a terrible footballer, but he can score goals. And, you know, same with Alexis Sanchez as well, a little bit of X Factor. He's had a terrible time at Manchester United, just doesn't really hit the ground running in his United career at all. I think he's scored two or three goals all season, being awful, but we all know on his day he can be genuine world class, can he? He was fantastic at Arsenal. Maybe he's, uh, he's had better days, he's not the player he once was, but there's certainly goals in that United team. And the only problem though is, you know, very poor Andy defensively, really slow in midfield with Fred and Matic aren't the best at Andy and, you know, as we've just said there, defensively they're all over the place. If you're conceding four to Everton, you'd imagine they're going to concede similar to Man City. But this is what I'm on about now. This is where they need to stand up and be counted because, you know, they need a reaction. The professional footballers on silly amounts of money, you know, per week. And, you know, there's still an opportunity there for them to get in the top four. You know, for United to not get in the Champions League for next season, that's a big hit on the club financially. And, you know, as you said before, it's attracting players in the summer. They've got a big rebuild job going on there. They need to sign five or six players in the summer. And are these players going to want to join that football club if they're not in the Champions League? So, you know, any United fan out there saying we don't want Liverpool to win the league, so we want City to beat us, it's absolutely embarrassing. Look after your own club. You know, the facts are if United come fourth and Liverpool win the league, 
know, forget Liverpool. Your own club needs to be in the Champions League. You know, why would you want to have a year in, a year off the Champions League and not get the players that you, realistically that you, your club should be targeting because you need you've got a rebuild job on. You know, it's absolutely pathetic. You need to get behind your own team and want your own team to win a game of football or at least take a point. United have got four games left. They're still winning the chance of top four, but I, I do believe they need to take ten points minimum out of them last four games. So that means avoiding defeat against Manchester City. And if that's the game that they only get a point in, then fantastic. It puts it back into our hands then, doesn't it, for the title? But I do think really though, you know, that said, you know, I just don't know whether they're capable of getting in against City because I just think, yeah, maybe City are sort of feeling the, the tension a little bit. They looked a little bit, you know, nervous, shall we say, against Tottenham at the weekend when they won a narrow 1-0 victory. Um, but I just think if Man City turn up and, and play to a half-decent standard, so much better than Manchester United that, you know, I just can't see them doing anything. I think we are clutching at straws, really, and we're open for a miracle because, you know, as I said before, it's probably the worst United team in living memory. And, you know, derby games can be a bit funny at times, but I just I just honestly can't see them taking it enough City. But, you know, hopefully I'm wrong and, you know, Liverpool are going into that game against Huddersfield, still top of the league on Friday and, you know, looking to enhance our lead. Yeah, and Liverpool was, was put into a similar situation. Can't remember the year off the top of my head with, um, when we played Blackburn at Anfield and we needed, well, basically United needed us to, um, to, to beat Blackburn on that day and some Liverpool fans was, in a similar situation to them, 50-50, whether they should win the league because it's, it should we win the game because it enables United to win the league. Now, I was just at that game myself and I had no qualms whatsoever. I wanted Liverpool to win the game, which I want them to do every time they play, no matter the, the, the consequences. You need to be supporting your own team. And if, if you're a Manchester United fan, then in my opinion, you've got to support your own team and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or, or does. You, you look after your own. And then whatever whatever else happens will be will be, and they're going for top four. So for me, United fans have got to get behind their team one hundred percent tomorrow, and and try and get something from that game. So moving on from um, from the Manchester City derby, uh, Manchester United, Manchester City derby, should I say? Yeah. Um, just one or two little things we're going to cover that's been in the in the press the last couple of days with the the rumours about. A possible fallout between Jurgen Klopp and, and Mohamed Salah, which seems to come from not a very, very good source, if you like, and I think we can possibly just file it under a, a load of rubbish. But I'd just like to get on, on, under uh, your thoughts on them, um, on them rumours that he's just trouble causing. What's going on with them, please, Jay? Yeah, I just think it's absolute nonsense, really. I mean, his agent come out in university straight away and said, like, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing in anything about him being unhappy at Liverpool and falling out with Jurgen Klopp. And, you know, people will make more of it as well now because of the penalty incidents at the weekends against Cardiff. But, you know, again, that, that was nothing to do with Klopp, was it really? I mean, James Milner's the man. He, he took authority. He was on the pitch at the time. He's the penalty taken. He took the ball off him. And quite rightly so. This Liverpool football club, not most Salah football club. Do you know what I mean? And I've I seen, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen someone on, on social media, um, on, after Sunday's game saying, you know, it's, it's wrong because, you know, you, you've got to keep your star players happy. And why, why wasn't he allowed to take the penalty? And 
were absolute cods wallop. I mean, so what if if he's a star player? Why why do you need to keep your star players happy? This this is Liverpool Football Club. It's not about an individual. It's a team game. And and I love Mo Salah. We all love Mo Salah. But you know if he's got a cob on over something like that, I mean I I just think there's been a mountain out of a molehill made over it because you know think about it back to earlier on in the season, right? What happens for Roberto? Liverpool get a penalty against Arsenal. Roberto Firmino's on a hat trick. Mo Salah. Gives the, at the time, Milner wasn't on the pitch. Mo Salah gives the ball to Firmino to take the penalty to get his hat trick. So, you know, where's all this come from? You know, at the end of the day, in my opinion, Mo Salah is a team player. And people say, I, and I said it myself a couple of, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, at times he's, he's been a little bit greedy and he, he's trying to do too much. And, but the thing is, that wasn't really having a go at him because when he, when he does keep the ball, he takes two defenders out. So then it leaves, leaves, frees up space for the likes of Firmino and Manny to do the, their work. And, you know, let's be honest, you know, Sadio Manny's been on a fantastic goal scoring run. And a lot of that is down to most Salah's endeavour and what he does and the, the threat that he poses. And obviously, like, defenders are terrified of him. So, you know, Mo Salah, in my opinion, is a team player. So it, it's something or nothing and all the talk about like moving on and all that. And like to me, whenever you've, you've, you've heard Mo Salah in an interview or he's done a, you know, he's done an article for someone or he's done one recently, didn't he? I can't remember the name of the magazine that he's done it for, but you know, he's very, he comes across very humble. Do you know what I mean? And, and he's, he's quite shy really, confident, but shy as well, you know, with it. So I just think it's absolute nonsense and, and, and obviously, some of the reports, you know, the irony of it is who the Liverpool play in the next round of the Champions League, a Spanish team, Barcelona, and it originated in where? AS, which is basically in Spain, isn't it? So, absolute nonsense. And, you know, we all know that Mo Salah is a fantastic player. Maybe he hasn't had as good a season this season as he did last season, but, you know, the facts are he's still been an integral part of this Liverpool team that's challenging on both fronts now, potential title winners and, and, and obviously in the European Cup still maybe getting to another European Cup final so you know Mo Salah maybe there is an element of you know he wasn't on the shortlist was he this year for the the, the six players for the, the player of the year award the, the award that he won last season maybe he's a little bit down about that because really you know you, even though he hasn't had a good a season you would have thought he still would have made the shortlist of six and he hasn't, and, and Sadio Mane's made it ahead of him. And I do think that's probably a little bit down to the fact that Mane sort of like hit form at the right time. If you remember back to the start of the season, Liverpool did win quite a lot of games narrowly. And, and at the time, Mo Salah was scoring the first goal in quite a lot of games. I think he's done it nine or ten times this season. He scored the first goal in games. So they're all crucial goals, um, you know, to get your nose influenced in the game of football, aren't they? So, you know, he's still been very important this season. And I just think the reason why Mane is on the list and, and Salah isn't is purely because he formed at the right time when the nominations were getting done. Um, you know, when the players were making their choices. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, Salah still actually scored one more goal this season than Mane in all competitions. And he's also scored one more goal in, in the Premier League. And he's got more assists than him. So if you're basing it on, like, sort of like the output, then Salah should should really be on that list. But, you know, he isn't. And yeah, he might it might affect him a little bit. But again, I go back to the point that it's it's all about the team. 
it's not about individual accolades. It was great last season for Salah. He got the two player of the year awards, the football writers as well as the player one. And he also won the golden boot this time around. He still might get the golden boot. I mean, look, we've got Huddersfield at the weekend, you know, Friday night. There's no reason why Salah can't get a couple against them. I mean, in my opinion, I'm going to tip him up for an attic. You know, I'll, I'll mention it at the end of the podcast, but I'm going to put him down for a hat trick on Friday night and, you know, hopefully that'll be enough for him to go top of the goal scoring charts and he won't look back then because we've got Newcastle and Wolves after that and could easily score against them two sides as well. So, you know, it, it's all about the team, isn't it? And, and I just think the reports were something or nothing. His agent did rubbish them and I think it's just mischief making really because, you know, it is what it is and, and even more reason now because of what happened with the penalty incident against Cardiff. You know, it gives, gives the media something to sort of like report, doesn't it, and make more of that when there's nothing really there. So, you know, in my opinion, there's nothing in it at all, and I'm, I'm sure Mo Salah will still be a Liverpool player this time next season. Yep, spot on. Cheers, Jay, for your uh, your thoughts on uh, Mohamed Salah's uh, Liverpool future there. Just one more thing that uh, we're going to cover regarding Liverpool possible uh, transfers is uh, Marco Grujic. The um, the Serbian lad who's been out on loan um, in Germany talks of Atletico Madrid possible interest in him. There's been a mooted fee of forty million, which seems a little bit excessive for a for a player who's um, who's really featured for Liverpool. I think he's made nine appearances in, in, in total. But Michael Edwards, the um, the sporting director of Liverpool, he always drives a hard bargain, doesn't he? When, when Liverpool sell players, as we've seen in the past, getting 20 million for the likes of Solanke and 12 million for, for Danny Ward, who's, who's now just basically sitting on the bench at Leicester. So do you see, um, this, these rumours about Grujic being, being true? And what's your thoughts on the possible, um, fee of 40 million for, for a player of, um, of his standard? It's a strange situation, isn't it? Because he's never really looked, in my opinion, I don't think he's ever really truly looked like a Liverpool player or good enough for Liverpool. And I know you'd have the fanboys out there who are saying, oh, give the lad a chance. Oh, he looks like he's got something. Oh, he looks quality. To me, I've just never, ever really seen it in him, to be honest. And I don't think Klopp has either because he's very rarely ever played him, as he? I just think he, he, he may well have a good career somewhere elsewhere, but I don't think he'll be at Liverpool. So the, the, the talk of £40 million is absolutely obscene, isn't it? When you consider we only spent £5 million on him and, you know, he's been at the club, what, four years is it now? And he's just, you know, we got him in the January of Klopp's first season. Is that, am I right in saying that? So, you know, it's four years, isn't it? And he just hasn't really yeah. had a look in. And, you know, I think it's done him the world of good being in the Bundesliga playing for Hertha Berlin and, Maybe that, that league's, he's suited to that league because I think they have, there's been good reviews about him. He has played well there. He's performed well and, and they want him. Don't they? They'd love to keep him. But if someone's going to be prepared to offer 40 million pounds, then I think that's probably in a different ball game to the likes of Hertha Berlin. And I, I, maybe uh, let's call Madrid are interested. I mean, personally, I'd be a bit surprised though someone that higher caliber because, you know, they're the third best team in Spain, aren't they? And, Obviously, they're always in the Champions League season in, season out, and they go quite far as well, quarterfinals, semi-finals, being in a couple of finals. And you know, I, I, I'd have me doubts that Atletico Madrid are genuinely interested in them. But you know, listen, if we can get twenty-five million pound for them and twenty million pound profit, which is, I'm sure, the, the probably the more realistic type of price that Michael Edwards would be negotiating for. 
I, I think it's fantastic business by the club, obviously, if we can get that type of money for him, because I just don't see a future for him at Liverpool at all, really. So, you know, maybe it is better that he moves on. And I think in his heart of heart, he knows that it's probably best for him to move on as well. So it's going to be interesting. But um, as you quite rightly say there, Michael Edwards is an absolute genius in terms of like, the way the way he gets to he compiles deals and the amount of money he can get for for some of our fringe players, um, and also deals that he strikes for Liverpool to sign players. So you know we all know how good he is at his job. He's fantastic. There's no one better really. So you know here's hoping in the summer that he can get as much money as possible for for Marco Grujic and. Yeah, you know, maybe I can I understand to an extent why people would say, well, why not give the lad a chance and bolster the squad next season? But the aids that he's had, he needs to be playing games week in, week out, and Liverpool certainly won't be able to offer him that. OK, spot on, Jay. So, yeah, that's um, the little bit of transfer talk roundup we've done there. So we're going to look towards the game on Friday evening now against the Huddersfield, who bottom of the table already relegated should be pretty much um, a foregone conclusion but obviously you can't approach the game like that every game's got to be treated as a cup final for Liverpool and I'm sure Jürgen Klopp will have his players fired up for for this game Um, also depending on the results tomorrow evening in the Manchester derby which we spoke about before so just give us your thoughts um, looking ahead towards the game against Huddersfield at Anfield on Friday, please, Jay. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't disrespect any opponents, can you, in, in the Premier League? Because as we always say, there's no easy games in the Premier League. But let's be honest, Huddersfield have been relegated for a while now and they're not a Premier League team anymore. Are they the Championship team? And, you know, they've won three games out of 35 this season, lost 27 games. That's like absolutely incredible, really. They've lost as many games as Liverpool have won this season. And, um, you know, the goal difference, I think it's minus 50. So it's just, it's quite remarkable, really. The, the lowest scorers as well. I think they've scored 20 goals this season. So, you know, when, when you analyze it, it's just Liverpool. It shouldn't just be about getting the three points. I've said time and time again in recent weeks about it's all about getting three points when you get to this stage of the season, not about the champagne football and scoring loads of goals. It's just getting them three points on the board. But this is certainly a game where, you know, you're expecting Liverpool to sort of like make inroads, if you like, on the goal difference that City holds against us. I mean, it's unlikely that the title will come down to goal difference, but just in case, this is certainly a game where Liverpool have the opportunity to you know, to, to sort of like reduce the arrears, if you like, in terms of goal, goal difference. Um, I just can't see anything other than a convincing Liverpool victory and, you know, anything could happen. You know, listen, this, this Liverpool team's put seven past teams in the past, hasn't it? A couple of times last season and, you know, we've given a few items out this season as well and Huddersfield certainly could come under that same sort of, you know, bracket really where Liverpool do, do this your hiding out because, you know, let's get real about it. They're not a very good side, are they? And, you know, the proof's in the pudding, the rock bottom, the miles adrift of anyone else, even Fulham, who've been poor this season. You know, we, even Fulham are about 10 points ahead of them as well. So, you know, they're languishing big time down there and they just don't seem to score goals either, do they? As I say, 20 goals this season is just shocking, isn't it? Um, and, there's no reason why Liverpool shouldn't give them a hiding on Friday night. Yeah, and just talk, just talking about, um, Huddersfield, obviously, the last last couple of seasons when they've been in the Premier League, they've they've kept their heads above water, haven't they? And they they've done quite well. 
Um, so what do you think's happened to them this season, Jay? I know they, they lost the manager and well sacked the manager. I think it was just after Christmas or, or something around that time. But it just seems that the the wheels have come off Huddersfield from from day one of the this Premier League season. Can can you put your finger on as to what's happened over there at Huddersfield? Well, I think it didn't help with Wagner going because he was the heart and soul, wasn't he? Of the reason why they got promoted from the Championship in the first place, and he was one of the the main reasons why they survived relegation last season. Um, when he left the club. I think they were always doomed and destined then to, to get relegated, really. Um, you know, when you think about it last season, I thought they were very fortunate to stay up last season as well, really, because they, they got two remarkable away, away draws, didn't they, against Man City, nil-nil, and I think they drew 1-1 at Stamford Bridge, or was it 2-all? They, they certainly got a draw at Stamford Bridge as well anyway. So, you know, to go to them two grounds and get a draw at each ground is quite remarkable, really. Because they looked, they looked doomed last season, didn't they, to me? Um, but, you know, they, they, they got away with murder, really. They got out of jail right at the end of the season and they survived. So, they were always going to struggle again for me this season because... You know, the calibre of player that they sign, it's just not really the, so the level of Premier League standard to me. And then once you lose your manager as well, that's the heart and soul gone, really. So you were always destined for the drop. And, you know, like I say, I just think it's it's one of them situations, isn't it? The, the new manager that came in, he was on a hide to nothing because they were already going down. And it's just sort of like minimising things now in terms of they, they were all, they were geared up for a long time for the championship next season. So, you know, that's probably the reason why they never really dipped into the transfer market much, did they, in the January window, because they, they were resigned to their fate. And, you know, here we are, they've been relegated with, like, how many games was it to go? Seven games to go, and they were already relegated. You know, mad, really, when you think about it. But it is what it is. And the you know, people might say there's no pressure on them now because they're coming to Anfield and, you know, they've got nothing to lose, have they? Because they know their fate anyway. And, they lost 4-0 against Tottenham recently and they had to go at Tottenham really. You know, I know Tottenham won 4-0 in the end, but two of the goals were late and, you know, maybe the 4-0 scoreline flattered Spurs a little bit, but, you know, the fact is Liverpool are better than Spurs, aren't they? So we've got something massively to play for. We're going for the title. So, you know, I, I just can't see any other than Liverpool convincing victory on Friday. Okay. Spot on, Jay. We're going to have a little, um, talk about the, the potential. The lineup for for Liverpool in this fixture on Friday evening. Um, can't see the much much change as usual with the back the back four. But do you see there being any changes in the midfield and possibly the resting of one of the the front three in this fixture, or just just see Klopp going out full strength? Albeit as well, we do have the the Barcelona game to think about in, in midweek next week. So just give us your thoughts on a potential lineup for Liverpool in this fixture, please, Jay. Well, I, th- I think we've been quite fortunate, really, in the, in the way that the games have fallen because we played on Sunday and then the five-day gap to have this game coming up against Huddersfield and then there's another five-day gap because we've got the whole of the weekend, really, before we've got Barcelona in a new camp next Wednesday. So... He could go full strength, really. There's no reason why not, because we've got five days, haven't we, before our next game. But I do think with it being Huddersfield, and I know I've just said there that there's, there's no reason why Liverpool shouldn't get a half full 
against Huddersfield and, and you might say, you know, obviously, uh, you, you'd also might say the flip side is no easy games in the Premier League, blah, blah, but I just think this potentially could be the game where a few changes are made. Um, we might see Joe Gomez make a return to action because I think Alexander Arnold struggled a little bit defensively in recent weeks. He certainly got targeted, didn't he, against their Cardiff in the first half and, you know, maybe he'll look at Joe Gomez, maybe even right back, or maybe put him in centre half. But I just think Joel Joel Matip's done really well alongside Van Dyke, so it would seem a little bit harsh, wouldn't it, to leave him out? But then, you know, against Porto in the Champions League recently in, in the game at Anfield, Dejan Lovren played in the instead of Matip alongside Van Dyke, so it's going to be interesting. I think that there is, uh, you know, scope there for the potential that Joe Gomez comes into the, the back line, but whether it's right back or centre half, I'm not so sure. Um, in the middle of the park, probably unlikely for Bino to start because he come on for a couple of minutes and then got seemed to go off with concussion, didn't he? So I don't know what the protocol is with that, but you meant to miss like at least a week, aren't you? When you've you, you suffer that type of injury, so. Whether or not he'll go with um, Fabinho, I'm not so sure because really, you know, we could mix it up a little bit in midfield. I think, you know, Kate has started to come on leaps and bounds now, so there's no reason why he shouldn't start the game. Genie Wijnaldum, I thought, was very good in the number six role and obviously popped up with, it with the first goal as well, so he should keep his place. But then again, there's Jordan Henderson and there's, there's James Milner, and I thought Henderson was very good against Cardiff as well. You know, apart from his awful effort in the second half, I thought it was a captain's performance. Really, he tracked back really well and linked the forward play well. It was you know put a lot put a shift in really, and it was I thought it was a very good captain's performance by him. So yeah, it's all going to be very interesting. It's like when we played away in Porto. You know, we decided to rest Firmino and start with Oregi. It didn't really work out, but, you know, he, he could potentially start with Oregi as well. So, as we always say, it's very difficult to second guess him because, you know, he's got a squad of like 15, 16 players there that he trusts in. So, you know, hopefully it's a winning, winning team that he selects, but I'm sure it will be. I mean, you know, Huddersfield aren't the best Ardy and as we've already spoken about, you know, they're already relegated. So, should be an easy three points on Friday. Okay, yeah, uh, that's Jay's thoughts on the the potential lineup for Liverpool in the in the Huddersfield game. So we're gonna go to our, our score predictions before we play the the music by the the artist that's been in in touch with us on the the podcast this week. So just give us your thoughts, Jay, on a score line prediction and uh, your reasons for them, please. Yeah, as I said before, I am. Um... I really think this is a game for Mo Salah to make a statement in terms of going for the, the golden boot again. He's, he's level at the moment with Sergio Aguero and, um, Aubameyang. And I just think this is the game for him to sort of like race clear, if you like. And, and I'm going to put him down for a hat stick in this game. I just think this is the perfect team that I like can and fodder really. And I can, I can only see Liverpool putting four or five past them and, I'm going to be adventurous with my scoreline this week, and I know you've got you've just rattled up a hat stick, haven't you? The um, predictions, which is very impressive, and you know, hopefully, <laughs> my, hopefully, mine will come through on Friday night, and we'll be in for the uh, in for the seat. So I'm going to say five nil to Liverpool on Friday evening. I think Mo Salah got a hat trick. Sadio Mane will score as well, and maybe one of the midfielders. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll go for a Naby Keita goal as well, and Liverpool will win five nil on Friday night. 5-0 scoreline prediction. Yeah, the pressure's on me after um, after the past 
three where I've got all, all three predictions correct. So I think my scoreline prediction for this one is going to be a 3-0 victory for Liverpool. I think, yeah, they'll have um, a lot of the ball. They'll have a lot of chances. But I just think if we do get a couple of goals in the first half and, and maybe one in the second half, Jürgen Klopp might have one eye on, on the Barcelona game and maybe mix it up a little bit and bring some fresh legs on just to just to um, to see the game out, really. So... I just think, yeah, we'll have far too much for them going forward. Um, pretty much every area of the pitch, really. That Huddersfield are dead and buried. They've got nothing to play for. Saying that, they, they could, they've got nothing to lose. I think they might come in and have a go at Liverpool. But that's obviously going to play into our hands. They could come and put 11 men behind the ball and, and try and try and just stifle us for the whole of the 90 minutes. But I still see Liverpool getting through if, if they do that tactic as well. So yeah, I'm gonna go with with a three nil victory for this um for this game for Liverpool. So just before we we go, I'm gonna play uh a music some music by uh, a guy who's been in touch with us on Twitter. He's uh, he's based out in uh, Nigeria. He goes by the name of yeah he goes by the name of Tito Brown. And the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called My Ways, featuring Prode Magic. This new season, by the way. Feeling the vibe. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Nothing is pulling me down, I'm pulling my weight, I rise. It's funny I'm fooling these clowns, it's funny they get surprised. Now I be proving my hits, so cool I been no nice. Now I be pulling the vibe, pulling the vibe, vibe. I'm trying to find my ways. I'm trying to find my ways. I'm trying to find my ways. I'm trying to find my ways, find my ways. Trying to find my way. I'ma do it my way. So I'm walking away. Move you up on my way. Move you up on my way. Trying to show off the juice I got from my confidence So when I show up, I never lose to my happiness Trying to show this new season wishes and compliments Let the world bridge the people, don't call me congressman I made mistakes and I blame it all in my consciousness I knew good from bad and I weighed it all in my conscience I know I'll make it, I got the skill and the confidence So the right path, but I stayed away from my compass Now I'm back in the back now from the truth I got facts back in my stats, I win in peace, chalk up and juice. The plan is reach out and build, teach all the youth, this how we do. The plan is reach out and build, teach all the youth, this how we do. Take a crack at your crotch and show that you're broke. Broke. Take it back, fuck the stats and know that you're broke. Broke. I'm laying back, staying black, I can't so for rope. Broke. I'm staying flat, they attack, I protect the goal. <laughs> I'm shining five miles. I'm shining find my ways. I'm shining find my ways. I'm shining find my ways. Yes. Trying to show up to do the show and show off. Now the show's on the people show and show off. 
show the cash when the bag show will go on. Cause life's short before you reach dreams, go six below so long. So I pray to God to show me the way to go up. Down on my knees and I pray that I'm ready for when my chance to show up. It's ironic how they gon' say the feel, but still the hips show love. When they drown in the flows that I speak, cause it's over their head, I hate to show up. And I'm too short, the girls they like to roll on. She had to get and she had to get her toes on. Cause I'm down to earth, don't me, you could put your toes on. Turn it up, turn it over, yeah, we go on. Woo! Yeah, and that song was called My Ways from Tito Brown. You can catch him on uh, Twitter. We'll put his his account, Twitter account, onto the Cop Table page. Uh, check out his music that he's uh, he's doing out in uh, Nigeria. So, once again, just going to say thanks to the at Liverpool Online Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages for putting out all our podcasts on their their social media platforms. This season, much appreciated to, to the guys over there. Also, to stay in touch with the, the No More Knives campaign run by um, Paul Bentley and the guys over there. They're doing a fantastic job trying to trying to cut the knife, knife crime down in Merseyside. Got the T-shirts going now. Lots of stuff on social media to do with that. So get following them and let's, uh, let's see how, how much we can help them in their, in their campaign over there. So... That's the Cop Table podcast for the Liverpool versus uh, Huddersfield game this coming fa- Friday. Thanks very much for your time again, Jay. No worries, Peter. Just, uh, you know, hopefully we get the three points. And first and foremost, though, it's the Manchester Derby and let's hope United are old, massive rivals, the team we love to hate and do us a favour. And, and Anfield, I'm sure, will be rocking on Friday night. Most definitely. Yeah, it's, it's going to be bouncing once again with the... Uh, with what's at stake towards the end of the season. So thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with our Newcastle preview. Hopefully we'll get John Richardson on with us once again to cover all things Newcastle. Obviously going back to, uh, going to see our old friend Rafa Benitez as well. And we'll see how that game pans out. So thanks everybody for listening to this podcast and we'll speak to you all again next week. Goodbye. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.